Hey folks, if you've been turning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. One of my favorite features is being able to see my seat view before I purchase the tickets. And I love the fact that I can get more than just sports tickets, be it concerts or, or theater. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or Apple Store. Click on the My Ticket section of the app. Create an account. Then under the Billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC, all one word. Again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who use the redeem code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make your moves quick and score last-minute tickets. I can tell this organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense in 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness, what a play! Mile High Magic episode number 35. Hello, everyone. Alongside my partner, Nikki Javala, I am Michael Spencer. Glad to have you with us in Broncos country. I know what you're thinking. Six and nine. Never felt so good after the Broncos pick up a 27-17 win over the Detroit Lions on Sunday. Uh, Nikki, your takeaways from that victory? Um, I think it was an important one. It there were no playoff implications, obviously. Not much other on the line other than for the guys who are trying to get contracts. Um, I'm trying so hard to concentrate, and you have a little puppy in your lap, and it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, when he's on the podcast today. He got a new puppy, a golden doodle puppy. He's so cute. Um, back to football. I think it was a, I think it was an important game for Drew Locke, and especially for the offense and the team moving forward. Um, I, I think we got to see him really bounce back from a terrible game and bounce back from you know a ten point deficit there through the first quarter um, into the second. So um, you know, not his numbers didn't like jump off the fa- page much like they didn't jump off the page when you know they they beat the Chargers in Week Thirteen. But I, I think what he did out there and especially the improvements he made, um, not turning the ball over, not throwing an interception. Uh, I, I thought it was really impressive. And, and I think the Broncos certainly have something to build on going into 2020. And that to me was the biggest takeaway, right? Like we talked about how does he bounce back? How does he rebound from that loss in Kansas City, his first loss as a pro quarterback? What does he do? How does he play? And I thought he played really well. And maybe even more impressive to me was the fact that the Broncos found themselves down 10 to nothing and came back. In recent years, when they're down 10 to nothing, you get the feeling, oh, this game's over, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter if it's first quarter. It doesn't matter if it was the fourth quarter. When they dug themselves into a 10-point hole, you couldn't help but feel like they are not coming back. And I thought that for him to rebound from the loss in Kansas City, to lead them back from a 10-point deficit was huge. And you're right. The numbers don't jump off the page. The one number that does is the interceptions. And 
That was something that we had talked about. He had thrown an interception in every game. He had chances to throw interceptions, as silly as that sounds. He had chances to force the ball against the Lions and didn't. And what that tells me is that he's learning, mm-hmm. right? Like he is, he's learning. And he said, he said this on the podium, I'm going to take something away from all three of those interceptions. And on Sunday, we finally got to see him take some of those things away, make the smarter plays, not force the ball down the field, even though he easily could have, he decided not to. And I think that's part of the reason why the Broncos came away with the win. Yeah, absolutely. He was patient back there. Um, didn't force anything. I mean, the whole week leading in, everybody was talking about his gunslinger mentality, which to me, I mean, it carries a negative connotation, like you're careless with the ball and, you know, you're just going for the deep ball every time. Um, But in this game, he really showed that there's a balance to his game. He can be more of a game manager. And while that also carries somewhat of a negative connotation, I I think he found that that right balance where, you know, you, you can take shots down in the field, but be smart with it too, protect the ball. Um, so I, I think it's, they're all good signs. I mean, I feel like every week the Kansas city game was kind of an anomaly. I want to say the sample size is so small. I'm trying to catch myself and not get too far ahead, but, um, you know, in each of the wins, he, he showed a little bit more, um, a little, you know, another layer to his game, which I think is, you know, it gives the team a lot of hope, especially with what he can do, um, Compared to Joe Flacco or guys they've had in the past, I mean he's he's mobile. He's capable of throwing off schedule, um, and I, I just think he adds a new dynamic to this offense. It's like he's moving them into the 21st century. For the longest time, they were so stagnant playing in that awful system that didn't really seem to fit their personnel, and now they have not enough pieces, but enough to to kind of get moving and he's the catalyst really well and i think it's okay there are games where as a quarterback you're going to have to be a game manager there are games where as a quarterback you might have to be a gunslinger and i think what what we saw from sunday and you're right it is a small sample size it's only four games for drew lock but what we saw was that he can be those type of things when he needs to be those type of things. And so that's why like, don't, don't be afraid of the numbers. Don't be scared when you look and see, Oh my gosh, he only threw one touchdown. What's wrong. You know, whatever, like there, he played to the game that he needed to play. And they were having success running the football. They decided to stay with the run this week, which was an improvement over what they've done from a coaching perspective in several games this season. And that's part of the reason why his numbers were down, but he did enough to win them the football game. And I think that's all you can ask for. Well, and I think the biggest thing too is, you know, he he has protection up front, which is incredible really when you think about the state of the line Sunday and they were down to their last off- offensive lineman because – of a flu-like bug that has kind of ravaged the locker room. Um, that we have probably now contracted. Yeah, we're probably all sick and, yeah, I'm going to die tomorrow. Um, but that offensive line, I mean, it had, you know, three guys that weren't on the active roster last year. It had Connor McGovern, who is, for the first time this year, playing, a you know, a center full-time. He had kind of filled in there when uh, Matt Paradis got hurt last year. But a lot of new faces, a lot of moving parts, and then you know they come out and they have a game where Drew Locke was hit only once, zero sacks. Um, they kept him clean. They allowed for 150 rushing yards. 
that offensive line has had a lot to do with um, Drew Locke's play over the last four games. It certainly hasn't been perfect. He took quite a beating in Kansas City. Um, but for the most part, uh, they've allowed him the time and the space to do what he can do. Um, and I think, you know, and as part of that, credit goes to Rich Gangarello. They've, they've made some tweaks to their play up front, according to Vic Fangio, that allows them um, to better protect Drew Locke and, and to better play within the scheme. So I, I think the offense as a whole is just they appear reinvigorated. They they look like a completely different group um, with Drew Locke under center. Do you remember last week during our podcast and we were talking about the defensive guys and I said, hey, man, if you're a Bronco fan, make sure you purchase a program because you're going to need to look down at the rosters. I, I had to look down at the roster yeah. when Patrick Morris came in. I was like, who the hell is number 50? And and where did this guy come from? And then I was like, oh, okay, Patrick Morris. I, I remember, you know, obviously when they picked him up and everything. Two weeks ago. There's a connection. Right, right. <laughs> And there's a connection there between Mike Munchak and, um, you know, he was with the Steelers too. So I think that probably helped Morris and obviously was a big reason why he ended up here in Denver. Um, But for them to have that type of offensive line where you're literally looking down at the numbers like, okay, wait, who is this guy? And now who's playing where? And, And how long is this guy out of position for? You know, like that was really impressive. And... Drew Locke helps them out because he's able to roll out because he's able to make plays on his feet. But you're right. Don't overlook what they did in the running game. And Philip Lindsay rushing for 109 yards. Second time this season, he's eclipsed the hundred yard mark. That's a credit to the offensive line. Mm -hmm. Yes. Philip deserves some credit there too, but that's a credit to the offensive line. And so you can look at it and say, okay, well, you know, maybe they would have given up more sacks if Drew Locke hadn't been as mobile and blah, 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 whatever. You can't take away what they did in the run game. So that, it, you're right. It really is kind of all coming together. And speaking of that, you got to see something from Deshaun Hamilton on Sunday, which yeah. was a pleasant surprise. I mean, he's a guy who has taken a lot of grief, and rightfully so. And you, everybody was wondering, what are the Broncos going to do for a number two receiver? And Deshaun comes out and has a career high with, uh, let me check the the stats here, with 65 yards, six receptions. I thought he had a really, really good game. Um, and as a, like, just Nikki, as a person, I was so happy for Deshaun Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you just, you wanted that for that guy, second year guy out of Penn State, has had the ups and downs, has had some critical drops. You wanted him to have a good game. And so, just as a human being, you were rooting for that guy. Yeah. I mean, he had that drop in the end zone in the season opener, and that kind of, it just seemed to linger with him mentally throughout the season. Then he had another drop, and it was just, you know, this, this was supposed to be the year where he was going to have a breakout season. I mean, New offense, Emmanuel was traded, you know, shortly into the season. Tim Patrick was on IR at the time, um, and he still he still really couldn't get going. Um, I thought it was good, too, that, I mean, Tim Patrick continues to have kind of, you know, mm-hmm. quietly have these, like, really big performances, which I think bodes well for, you know, the number one and number two receiver positions to have a pair of 6'4 guys. That never hurts. Um Deshaun had a good game. You hope that can continue. Um, but I think with the offensive line, a lot of what we're seeing is the Mike Munchak effect. I mean, the the fact that – because Jake Rogers also worked with him in Pittsburgh. So he remembered these guys. They were familiar with him. Um, and he was able to quickly, you know, plug them into 
you know, their front five. Um, <laughs> of course, the, the one player that doesn't seem to be thriving with Mike Munchak, which is more of an indictment <laughs> on the player himself than anybody else is Garrett Bowles. He um, was flagged for holding for the 13th time this season, um, which is a career high, even for him. Um but I, I think lucky number 13, right? Right. So I, I think, you know, we're seeing what Mike Munchak can do with a bunch of random guys. I mean, Jake Rogers has been cut eight times and here he is winning the game ball um, f- for having some huge blocks in this game. So, you know, hope that hopefully they give Mike Munchak complete power to choose any offensive lineman he wants and he can create that whole front five. Um, and to me, that should be that should be their number one priority. Yeah. And, and this is another conversation for a podcast later. But when you're talking about the draft and you're talking about free agency, you feel like you have a good core of young, talented guys starting with Drew Locke. Now you have to protect them. And I think you are spot on about Garrett Bowles. To watch these guys go in, whether it's Schlotman, Rodgers, uh, Morris, to watch these guys go in and play well, that tells you all you need to know. Mm-hmm. It is not about Mike Munchak when it comes to Garrett no. Bowles. It is strictly about Garrett Bowles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's got all the all the tools. He's got the athleticism. Everybody knows that he wouldn't have made it this far if he didn't. Um, at this point, it's either he's not understanding it or he doesn't want to understand it. Um, but the problem that he had in college. I think he led the nation in holding penalties in his one year at Utah. Um, it has not improved. Uh, it's gotten worse. So they're going to have to make, you know, some serious decisions there on the line. They got a number of decisions to make. I mean, Ron Leary has an option, right? I Connor McGovern free agent. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do at left tackle? And they got so many. Yeah, I mean, other that's holes three guys who were supposed to be starters. And then, exactly. can you trust Juwan James? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Vic Fangio was asked again about him. You know, is he going to actually play in this last game? He's like, well, we'll see. He's still in play. He's not on IR. You know, kind of giving that weekly nudge to Juwan James. But you know, Elijah Wilkinson is hurt now. He's got a high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. He said he would have gone back in if you know somebody else had to come out w- with all the injuries and illnesses they've had. They had nobody else. You can only activate seven of them, given your needs across the roster. So, um, you know, if Elisha can't go, it's probably going to be Jake Rogers again. You know, I, I don't expect Juwan James to play at all the rest of the season, or Ron Leary for that matter. He's been in the yeah. concussion protocol, so I wouldn't be surprised if they come out with that same line Which- that. Fine. Which honestly, it, Nikki, it might yeah. be mo- it might be more beneficial. Yeah. For for the long term future here, because I don't expect Ron Leary to be back. Um, I I don't know what they're going to do about Jawan James, but it might be more beneficial to find out if these guys can be serviceable backups. Yeah. You know, moving forward. I mean, I don't expect Jake Rogers to be a starter on the offensive line next year. I don't expect Patrick Morris to be in a starter. No, on but the you offensive need line next reliable year. reserves for sure. Yes. Yes, and guys who can play multiple positions. Right. And that's what those guys can do. So it might be good for them to get some game reps uh, or get a game rep, um, you know, here in that Week 17 game against the Raiders, and then you go on from there. You know what's funny is we're we're sitting here having this conversation, and it seems like everything is positive right now Mm -hmm. in in Broncos country, right? Not Maybe not everything, but there's certainly a more positive vibe than there is a more negative vibe. And Nikki, when you look at at the schedule and you look at what has happened over the last couple of years, they're in the exact same spot 
that they were in record-wise after Week 16 last year as they are this year. But it is a completely different feel. Right. And to me, that's that's a couple things. One, obviously, it's it's Drew Locke. And it's the quarterback spot and and feeling like there is some hope there. And the Case Keenum experience at at this point last year, you knew it hadn't worked and you knew the Broncos were going to need to do something else. Um, It's also the fact that last year at this point they were on a losing streak. This year, obviously, they've won three of their last four, a chance to win four of their last five and feel really good about the way that they are going. But it's just funny that when you look at it, if the Broncos win – on Sunday, they will have improved by one single game in each of the last three years. So there isn't a big difference between seven and nine and six and ten on paper, but it sure feels a lot different this year than it did at this point last year. Yeah, absolutely. And in some ways, it isn't as good too because you feel like they still have so many holes on the roster. Um, but I think they have a really good foundation on offense, which is. Something we could have never said in any of the last, even dating back to like 2015, really. I mean, that offense was awful. Um, It's just amazing they held it together through the Super Bowl. And that's, in my mind, a credit to Peyton Manning. Even when he's getting older and he's hurt, he can still mask a lot of the deficiencies of the offensive line and, you know, the group as a whole, but, you know, with younger players that have come in and out, they're just, they can't do that. You can't replicate Peyton Manning. Um, but it finally feels like they're on a path to maybe move forward. Finally. I I feel like that offensive rebuild started two years too late. It's actually, you know, forget this nonsense about not wanting to rebuild. Um, they have rebuilt that entire offense, um, they just waited too late to do it because um, it really started in 2018 with that draft class, you know, with, yeah. with Cortland Sutton and even Philip Lindsay, though he was undrafted. I mean, Deshaun now coming alive, but a lot of key pieces came from that draft class. And then they bolstered it with this year's draft class with Noah Fan, Dalton Reisner, Drew Locke. Um, and, and we're just now seeing it come together. But two years for a complete offensive rebuild is pretty quick imagine if they had actually started in 2016 and not well yeah imagine if they hadn't missed on carlos henderson and isaiah mckenzie and brandon langley you know i mean obviously he was on the defensive side and tried to go to the offensive side uh right right you know i mean if they hadn't set themselves so far back they wouldn't be in this hole but you're right i think when you look at 2018 and 2019 and those draft classes having massive impacts i mean all of those guys are having really big impacts. Oh, yeah. And so I think that's that's huge and, and gives you a lot of hope for the future. Yeah, when was the last time they had a three-game win streak? It was I know they had the three games at the end of last season. But before that, it was like – I think it was – oh, man. It was, was it the, start of the, the start of the 2016 season. Yeah. They started. They won the first three games. Is that when they had the four bye, games. and then they came out and laid a huge egg? They they won four straight. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So they beat Carolina yeah. in the rematch. They beat the Colts, beat the Bengals. That was the game. Trevor Simeon had a monster game. They go to Tampa, play in the rain, and Paxton Lynch has to finish the game because Trevor gets hurt, and then it was just a complete downfall from there, mostly. Yeah. So that's how long it's been since they've you know, had some semblance of 
hope that they can move forward into the post Peyton Manning era. Um, so hopefully this continues. I mean, it's a, it's only five games. Um, a lot can change in the offseason. I do wonder how much Drew Locke has altered, you know, what their draft plans or free agency plans. I don't think they had anything set in place by now, certainly not five weeks ago. Um, but I do wonder if they say, all right, well, now we don't, maybe we don't draft a quarterback in the first round. We get a backup in the second, third round. Whereas, you know, before he was activated, I don't know how you could overlook the prospect of taking a guy in the first round when you obviously have no answer there at that time. Um, so I do wonder how much he's kind of single-handedly, um, almost created his own future here with these five games, but you know, we'll I think see. I think he's done a lot for his yeah. own future and for the future of the franchise because now you don't have to. Right. You know, like we talked earlier in the year, and I was all for them drafting a quarterback in the first round, uh, especially when I thought they were going to be in the top ten. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have absolutely seen that, but now that was back when you thought Joe Flacco was going to last the whole year, and and back when maybe Brandon Allen was going to play, and you didn't know how good Drew Locke was going to be. But what he has done in the last four games has completely altered now. Not only his future with the franchise, but the Broncos' future as an organization, at least when it comes to what they're going to do in the yeah. 2020 draft. And I thought one of the one of the really key things that came out of this game, the defense allowed only 191 net yards, which is their lowest output of the season, right? Uh, they had four sacks. Draymond Jones playing on a sprained ankle, had a pair of them. Um, they played quite well, especially in the second half. And I, I remember Shelby Harris saying in the locker room that they were following the lead of the offense. I mean, they get down 10 points. The defense could have un- come unglued just as easily as the offense at that point. Um, but once the offense started scoring, I mean, it, it fueled the defense. I mean, for the first time in a long time, they finally played complimentary football. And, and I think that's that's ultimately the goal, right, is to kind of take that load off the defense because they've relied too much on the defense for too long. I mean, this isn't the same group they had in 2015 who can not only, you know, stop the touchdowns but score them as well. Um, So they need more balance there, and I I think they're finally seeing a glimpse of what it could possibly be. And then next year you think Bradley Chubb's going to be back, Von Miller's going to be there, Alexander Johnson, Todd Davis probably. Um, I don't know what the heck they're going to do in the secondary with all those guys coming up, but you'd like to think they still have some good pieces, and with Vic Fangio calling the defense there, they could be strong as well. I mean, they they have a chance now. You know, it's five games. You don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves, but it feels like they finally have a chance. Yeah, and it was funny. I had the chance to talk to Bronco, former Broncos safety Nick Ferguson last night after the game and he was like hey look don't get blown away by the 191 yards and I'm like what do you mean he's like well it's the Lions they're terrible and I'm like okay I I I get that they're terrible but their offense came in averaging 360 yards and the Broncos held them to under 200 Mm -hmm. that to me is something to be commendable and he's like well they're on the third string quarterback and I'm like okay yeah I get that too but I think there's still I'm with you I think there's still a lot of positives that you can take away anytime you hold an NFL team to under 200 yards of total offense that is to be commended and four sacks I think it was good to see other guys than Von Miller get involved there and you mentioned Draymond Jones I mean I thought you know four 
for for him to be a young guy, he has really turned it on here in the last couple of games. And so I think all signs are pointing to a positive outlook for sure. Yeah, and you can see that you think Vic's gotten soft. I he has. <laughs> he has. He complimented Drew Locke for crying out loud. Can you he believe never it? Kareem, Kareem Jackson goes to Houston, plays out of his mind, and he's like, yeah, I thought he played okay. I thought there were some plays left out there. And everybody's like, what? Drew Locke goes out there, doesn't throw an interception, and Vic might as well have called him the best QB since Peyton Manning. I think he called Patrick Morris and Jake Rogers. I think he described their performance as commendable, which is just, yes. you know. Wow. Put him on the honorable mention. Wow. Um, (laughs) I think, I mean, I do get the sense that he, he too kind of feels hopeful though. Like, you know, starting out 0 and 4, he certainly didn't see that coming. I don't think anybody did. Um, they're kind of dragging along offensively, no real answers there. And now he kind of sees that, you know, there, there's potential here. They need a lot of pieces, a lot of pieces, but there is potential there. And I kind of get the sense that he's seeing that and since they don't have much to play for i think he's also been impressed by the players who really push through injuries like draymond jones playing on a sprained ankle von miller playing sick all these guys playing sick because they all have cooties i i think that impressed <laughs> him <laughs> he, he threw dalton reisner under the best under the bus today. he did he straight up I called know. him patient zero i know i didn't i didn't know how to break it to dalton that you know Yikes, man. Hey, this is all your fault. We appreciate you gutting it out and playing through the first half. But everyone in the locker room is now sick because of you is basically what Vic Mangio said today about Dalton Wright. If they lose on Sunday, I can actually say that losing is a disease. And I I don't want them to lose, obviously. But anytime I get to use one of those quotes, I get very excited. Did you have that headline ready before yesterday's game started? Yeah, I did, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Don't judge. I love The Natural. It's a great movie. I love it. Well, and you know, the other thing that occurred to me is we were having this conversation about the defense. They did all that yesterday without Kareem Jackson. Yeah. You know, I mean, so no Kareem Jackson. even more kudos to them. No Derek Wolf. No Bradley Chubb. Yeah. They're, I mean, half those guys, nobody even knew about at the start right. of the season. Right. Trey Marshall Trey and Marshall, Duke Dawson Jr. Yeah. The Patriots couldn't wait yeah. to get rid of Duke Devante Dawson Jr. Harris. I mean, Alexander yeah. Johnson. Nobody gave him much thought before the season, truly. I mean, Mike Purcell. Mike Purcell. Yeah. Wasn't going to be on a team. Adam you know? Gotsis is out. I mean, it's like, come on. Yeah. But, yeah. Definitely some some positive vibes as we head into uh, to week 17 here. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, The Athletic has the best of uh, 2019. We got 30 stories that are unlocked, free to everybody to read there's a bunch of great stuff um i would encourage you to check it out um and it's free until the end of the year so um yeah a lot of good stories that i wish i was talented enough to write but alas you all get to read them so yeah and in your defense there are some stories that you have written that are well written thanks that people can also find on the athletic yes go to the athletic anyway and subscribe (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I feel like you were teeing me up and it took me like way too long to get there. Sorry. Take the hint, Nikki. Sorry, Take it's the been hint. one of those days. <laughs> um, so here's the schedule for the week. We will not be back um, 
with the second episode this week. The Broncos, of course, hosting the Raiders. Not much uh, on the line for Denver, but Oakland still has a shot to make the playoffs. So you know that the Broncos would love to play spoiler and keep their division rival out of the postseason and effectively in their season uh, with a win on Sunday at Mile High. Um, so, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at MichaelCBS4. She is at Nikki Javala. Um, and then make sure you rate the podcast if you would. Uh, subscribe if you would as well. That'll not only help us, but it helps other uh, Broncos faithful find this podcast and uh, and keeps the keeps the good word out there as we uh, continue to bring you what we know uh, from inside Broncos headquarters and uh, bring down bring you the latest here on Mile High Magic and then we will be back with you on Monday December 30th to break down uh, that Week 17 game against the Raiders lots of good stuff and uh, hopefully that we'll be talking about a, a team that has now won four of its last five games I mean everything everything is right there for them to go into this offseason feeling really really good about what they have accomplished now they're just one win away uh from doing that and you know they would love to bounce back uh and and get a little bit of revenge after that week one loss in oakland what are we gonna do if they don't have a coaching change or like massive quarterback drama this offseason i don't i don't know how to take a vacation you're gonna go to the mountains you're gonna get away it's gonna be wonderful that's gonna be so weird I will no no don't go that far. That's, that's where a, you draw the line. Stretch. Having Come a life is now. where it is. Come on now. Um yeah, crazy talk. Uh all right, so we'll be back next week then. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on Mile High Magic. We will talk to you next Monday.